All right, everybody, brace yourselves. I'm going to use a dirty word. That word is platoon. That's right. We're going to talk platoons today. Jeff and I are going to break down over the next several episodes what we think some of the most beneficial platoons uh, for the upcoming red season are. And we're going to start with what we think is probably the most no-brainer of a platoon for this Reds team uh, that struggled so much against left-handed pitchers last year. Uh, We're also going to get into some interesting trades that involve the Reds sending their top three starters uh, to other locations in a mock trade Monday on a Tuesday. All that more is coming up on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You have found the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside Stephen Offenbaker. We are the two co-hosts that have crazy addictions, for whatever reason, to the Cincinnati Reds, and we've turned that addiction into information for you. Today, we are going to start a series, kind of like Steve said, about platoons and the benefits that you can have from a platoon. We're going to start with third base and we're going to move our way through the roster and what could change a lineup that is super uh, terrible against left-handed pitching. Plus, we are also going to talk about mock trade Monday on a Tuesday and some thoughts about what Jeff Passan had to say about what's going on with the CBA negotiations and the lockout. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Steve. So this is something that I think a lot of Reds fans and probably baseball fans in general, but I know from the community are just adverse to. They don't like the idea of a platoon. They want an everyday eight and everybody plays every single day. And gosh darn you, why on earth are we worrying about different lineups each and every day? But I'm telling you, this is the way that successful teams are run nowadays is to put the guys in the best position possible. Well, I, and you're right. And let's unpack that thought for just a second. The The reason that people react that way to the word platoon, I think, is really just more of a generational thing than any than anything else. Uh, you've got uh, a segment of this fan base that came up uh, through the Big Red Machine days through the 70s. And, and let's not kid ourselves that Sparky wasn't a tinkerer, but he was more of a tinkerer with the, the pitching staff than he was the... Right the starting lineup, but I think it's a generational thing. And I think as we've continued to modernize baseball and get better with the information and better with the analytics, I know another dirty word, uh, it really just lends itself to doing things differently to put not only the team in the best position to win baseball games, but also put putting the players in the best situations individually to contribute to the greater good. And I think by creating some of these platoons, that's exactly what we do, especially for some of these players that have struggled mightily over the last couple seasons in, in, hitting, uh, in hitting the ball. Speaking of struggling, we're going to start at third base. There is no more money tied up in any one position, and that includes first base than third base. And there's no position on this roster that has probably given the Reds less over the last couple of years than the third base spot. So with that in mind, we are starting off our platoon series. Got to get some actors from that movie or something. Anyway, I don't know what they would know about Eugenio Suarez and Mike Moustakis, but um, get those two guys platooning at least 
to begin the year because hear me out on this. I think that the idea with a platoon is to kind of play it until you get a hot hand and until that hot hand gets cold, you stick with him. And then when he gets cold, go back to the platoon. I think these guys are professionals. I know that a lot of people worry about, well, you're changing the lineups and stuff. Aren't you kind of messing with their heads? They're professionals. They're supposed to be up to this. Like it's about competing and it's about putting your team in the best possible. So the idea, Steve is to win more and to win more. You have to score more. I know that that is some really deep thinking right there, but in order to do all of that, statistics show that certain players play better in certain situations. A lefty, righty thing, you know, so why not feature the favorable situations and fade the tough ones? Make things easy on people. Why, why are we adverse to this? Well, I, again, some of that's just generational, and I think sometimes that that whole that whole narrative about we're going to upset this guy he's he's not going to like it we're going to disrupt his routine i think sometimes that's just people looking to fill column inches that's people <laughs> yeah. for looking to have a sound bite that's people just looking to have something to talk about i mean let's face it right now the two players that we're talking about in Eugenio Suarez and Mike Mustakis combined for a negative 1.7 war last season negative 1.7 in war. So, I mean, there's really nowhere to go but up from what they did. And by putting them in situations that uh, lend themselves to them having more success early, uh, I think it can lead to a, a better uh, overall performance in extended periods of time. I mean, we're going to get into it, Jeff, but when you look at Eugenio Suarez splits right versus left, they're really not that bad as opposed to Mike Moustakas, who definitely does better against right-handed pitching. Uh, if you take those two players and make one super player out of them, you've got an all-star third baseman. And I think that given the amount of money that's tied up with these two, neither one of them are going anywhere. Given the amount of money that's tied up in these two, they're not going to sit on the bench while Alejo Lopez plays the majority of time at third base. Those things aren't going to happen. So you have to make the best of this situation. And I don't think there's any other way to make the best of this situation except by splitting the, the at-bats and, and putting them both in positions to show that the decline was a fluke and that they still have some baseball left in the tank. That's what the thing is here is that we are given the ingredients right now to make the meal. That's not a situation where we can be like, well, let's go get different ingredients. The Reds are telling us they're not going to do that. So this is what we've got. And when you look at what the Reds have, putting these guys into a lefty right of platoon, putting them in the situations where they work best is something that I believe will benefit the team early on. Now, Obviously, the biggest difference here is the difference between Moose against lefties and Moose against righties. Now, throughout his career, he's not been that big of a split guy. He's got a, and I'm looking specifically at OPS since OPS kind of encompasses, you know, slugging and on base. And those are two very important things. And he's got a 705 OPS against lefties, a 765 against righties. But that difference was so pronounced last year. And of course, you can say, Injuries were probably part of it, and he only got 35 at-bats against left-handed pitchers, but there's a reason for that. In those 35 at-bats, Steve, he had a 329 OPS. That's not average. That's not on base. That's not even slugging. That's on base plus slugging, 329. That number's that's terrible. That's really bad, Jeff. It's really bad. 
Number's awful. And I'm sure that, you know, you give the guy a couple of more at-bats, maybe those right the ship, but that's not something that I want to see. Now, the other side of this coin is Gino actually didn't look that good against lefties last year either. He had an OPS of 619. Now, that's different from his career. His career says he's a good hitter against left-handed pitching, and he also showed that in the month of September. Bear with me. One more OPS number. I know I'm giving you a lot, but in the month of September, he had an OPS number of 1033 the month of September was a kind month to him. And I, I, I don't know. I, I know I'm an over optimist when it comes to Cincinnati sports, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to buy into this September thing, man. And, and if you start it with a platoon, maybe he takes off. No. And, and I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, uh, the chance to evaluate is Gino April Gino, or is he September Gino? Uh, we're looking to evaluate is Mike Moustakis a shell of the guy we thought we were getting, or is it truly just that he's coming off some injuries? He's had plenty of time now to be healthy. And if he can come in and get a hot hand that just benefits the red. So I think the platoon, uh, not only gives you the opportunity to put those players in the best situation to have success, but it also gives you time to evaluate them slowly. And it doesn't force you to make a snap decision coming out of what is probably going to be a trunicated, uh, spring training, you know, it's just, it's just going to be the type of thing where it gives David Bell the option to take his time in naming the quote unquote everyday starter. I think that it allows both guys a fair opportunity to show that they're still major league ready. Yeah. And I think that that's the fair point here as well, is that there's going to be plenty of people come out and say, well, why not Alejo Lopez? Why not, you know, in the outfield, TJ Friedel? Why not these guys? Well, the biggest problem with all of that is they're basically going to have to evaluate their end of year performance because there's not going to be much spring training time for them to really prove their mettle and prove their worth to be a starter, not even every day, but in like a platoon sense. So this is going to be a situation where spring training is just going to be so short. And but to get back to the Moose and Suarez bit on this one, low-key hoping that Moose just takes off and runs with us for the first month of the season and then builds some kind of trade value. I mean, I think that would be a win-win for everybody. Speaking of trade value, though, let's look at some ways that the Reds can maximize the value on their three kings of the starting rotation in some trades. We, we talked about the platoon thing with a Eugenio Suarez and Mike Moustakis. We're starting a series there platoon at third base to start the year. I have some hope though, that one of those guys will take it and run with it. Now we're moving on to mock trade Monday on a Tuesday. And you know what? When it comes to value, Built Bar is an amazing value. It's the new year, so that means that New Year's resolutions abound. Steve, I don't know about you. I've already missed mine. I, I said I was going to read more. I haven't even picked up a book yet. We're getting there. It's yours. Maybe about getting fit. You got to eat healthier as well as work out because you can't outrun a bad diet. Built Bar is going to help you do that because whenever you're on the diet, after like week three, you're like, where's the chocolate? Screw this thing. Built Bar is going to help you with that. It's made with 100% real chocolate, and it's got an amazing mouthfeel to it. It's not like those chalky protein bars that you see, and not like, you know, insert name here of something that's waxy, tastes bad, nothing at all, like cardboard in your mouth. No, Built Bar is amazing. Plus, they've got the kind of statistics that really make you think that it doesn't need a platoon because it's got 130 calories in most bars, four grams of sugars in most bars, and four net carbs. 
And plus, we're talking up to like 17 grams of protein. So grab yourself some cherry barcia, some coconut brownie chunk, salted caramel over at Built.com. And you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. So get in your resolution, start getting into the sweet spot with your diet and add built bar to the mix. It's going to help you scratch that sweet itch while also fitting right in to the healthiness that's built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% at checkout. On the next Lockdown Reds, we have Tom Nichols from the Dayton Dragons. He's been on a couple of times before. I love talking with Tom. He's going to talk about all things dragons. We'll maybe get into some Graham Ashcraft. We'll talk about Matt McClain. Plenty more where that comes from. The Dragons have an exciting roster. At least they ended the year with a pretty exciting roster. There were some guys who made it through the major league or minor leagues, and they started in Dayton early last year. So we got a lot to talk about with Tom. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode but let's talk about some mock trade monday on a tuesday because you know we're uh all off on this off-season deal not really posting on mondays or specific days it just kind of works with how our schedule works so let's jump into this steve because we got a lot and i think most people understand that it's about the pitching which sort of depresses me but if the reds are going to make trades it's going to be those guys well, it has to be the pitchers. I mean, if you look at this roster uh, from top to bottom, if you look at everybody that we anticipate is going to be on the active roster, there's really only one bat that realistically has trade value, and that's uh, Jesse Winker. Uh, you know, Jonathan India can't be in the conversation. Nope. Their team still has too much control. Tyler Stevenson cannot be in the conversation. They just traded Tucker Barnhart to make a hole for him. So those two guys aren't aren't in the conversation. That only leaves Jesse Winker as really a realistic trade target. I mean, I know people float around all the time. What about Gino? What about Moose? Trade away Joey Votto and his big contract. But none <laughs> of those are none of those are realistic. You know, teams aren't taking on that kind of money uh, unless we're shipping prospects with them. And then that defeats the whole purpose of making the trade in the first place. I got a couple here from Frank Kroger via Todd Kroger. Todd actually reached out to me on Twitter, sent them to me. He's got one trade each for the top three guys in the rotation. Of course, we're talking about Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, and Sonny Gray in no particular order, though I think that might be the order. Um, the first trade that he gives me involves Luis Castillo, and we're sending him to the Angels. That's kind of been a theme that I've seen over this offseason, Steve, is that we are sending him to Los Angeles. And we're also sending Reese Hines, which I don't think the reds are gonna do but they are getting back the two top dudes it kind of depends semantics as to what rankings you're looking at you're getting number one and number two basically if you talk to steve granado at lockdown angels and reed detmers and marsh and he has told me behemently vehemently that's not happening so (laughs) yeah i just made up a word there i don't i don't know what i'm doing um but yeah reed detmers and marsh interest me i don't know I, I, it's kind of an upgrade. Well, well, yeah. Well, sure, they interest us. They're the one and two prospects in the Angels system. I right. think, and 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 that really starts to where the this trade falls apart because 
Firstly, I don't see the Angels doing a deal where they're trading their number one and number two, even if they were getting Reese Hines in return, which you're absolutely right. The Reds are not going to do that. They're not going to, to trade away Castillo in an effort to bring in prospects and then trade away one of the better prospects we have coming up through the system in order to maybe do it. So um, this, this particular trade for me was kind of a non-starter just because of what I think is a, a just a no way scenario for the angels and a almost complete no way scenario for the reds. I just, I can't see that these two teams would get together in this manner. I, I can sort of see where Frank is coming from with this. You, you send over Reese Hines, you upgrade his prospect position where, you know, people are excited about Hines, but there's also some, you know, reservations about him. And, and according to baseball trade values, the value of Hines is less than Marsh. But I, I, I'm with you. I think that this is too steep a price to find the Angels. I, I think the Angels are the team that says no in this. However, and in the in the um, uh, the guys of our friends over at Locked On Mariners who kind of devised this whole idea of the mock trade uh, idea, they they give it a rating one out of ten. I give it a five. I think. Hmm. I think that's even being optimistic, um, well, but you know, you know that's your brand, Jeff. That's your brand. Um, I, I would come in at a three, a high three to low four on, on this one, I think. All right, so Frank's got another idea. This one's going to the Braves, and this involves Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray and Tyler Naquin for Kyle Muller, and I'm gonna not going to lie, wish it had the first name, Waters. I needed to look that up. Before I said it, but yes, Mr. Waters, we're going to say Mr. Waters. So we've got Kyle Mueller and Mr. Waters. It's interesting. This trade intrigues me because I think that the Braves like Kyle Mueller. I think that this would be a rough sell on them to trade Kyle Mueller for a Sonny Gray with only one year of control and a Tyler Naquin who I think we know who he is. I think despite the fact, again, this is using baseballtradevalues.com. Despite the fact it says that the Reds are actually getting less value in return, I think the Reds are getting the better deal here. I do too, and I'm not I'm not sure why Atlanta would jump on this given some of the things you cited. Uh, Sonny Gray being in the last year of a deal. Now, maybe you say that it's a, a deal... Uh, something along the lines of what the Reds did when they acquired Sonny Gray in the first place. Maybe some type of extension being involved in it, uh, a window for negotiation. But uh, on its surface, I look at this and I, I can't see the Braves pulling the trigger on it. Uh, Tyler Naquin being included in it, I thought was interesting. Um, I'm not sure, one, that that sweetens the pot a great deal for the Braves. And two, I think it creates more issues with the Reds outfield than it helps to solve. Uh, and that's an outfield that's already looking to have some significant problems heading into the 2022 season. Yeah. And I just looked it up. It's Drew Waters. So Mr. Waters officially is named Drew and he's an outfield prospect, number three in the Braves organization. So again, we're talking about some top dudes and Look, I think Sonny Gray at the end of the day probably commands a top 10 prospect if nothing else is involved in that trade. I think that you're probably looking closer to 10 than you are to 1. And I think that him and Kyle Mueller in this trade, this was just, I mean, I would love it from the red side, but I think as far as realism goes, I'd probably give this one a 4. 
And I would come in at a five. I actually think this one's a little bit more um, realistic than the last one we looked at. But at the end of the day, I think the Braves would have to be really uh, believing that they had a significant hole in the rotation that they needed to overpay to fill just a little bit. There you have it. I'm not the most optimistic on all of these ones. Um, one last one from Frank real quick. This is Tyler Malley to the Dodgers. And uh, we, we get back four prospects. Three of them are pitchers, Knack, Miller, Pepiote, and Ramos, who is an outfielder. The value overall, again, from baseball trade value, says that we are getting the bigger value. This one's a tough one for me because my brain is conditioned to, like, fantasy sports. And in fantasy sports, you never want to be the team – that gets back uh, quantity over quality. And I feel like in this, we're getting quantity for sure. I mean, four for one is ridiculous, but I don't know necessarily how close any of these guys are to the majors. This is something that I look at and I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe I give that a six, but this kind of feels like Johnny Cueto all over again, where we liked the trade initially and none of it ever panned out. Yeah, um, for this particular trade, I would come in on a, a two to three on the the realisticness of, of this trade ever getting done. Uh, a lot of moving parts here as far as bodies coming back. There's a lot of gamble being taken on. And, you know, I truly believe that, you know, in Cincinnati, we may not necessarily value Tyler Mowley as much as we should uh, because yeah. of some of the other arms that have been on this staff. I think that Tyler Mowley is, you know, across baseball, uh, widely viewed as a, a, a number two guy in most rotations, I think. So given that information, I think that the, the Reds could do a lot better in filling a need within the team with Tyler Mowley uh, that is... Uh, I guess a little bit more of a of a sure thing than what this particular trade would pan out to be. Yeah, Tyler Malley would be the guy that I would have sent to the Braves, I think, for realism in that deal and get back Kyle Muller and Drew Waters. Um, I, I I don't know. I I think of Tyler Malley. I think it's interesting because it's very easy to be critical of Tyler Malley because he just gets into those situations where it feels like he runs the count to three balls when he doesn't have to, and he walks a couple of guys that he shouldn't and things like that, but that's no reason to think that he's not as good as he is, and I'm with you. I think that he's far better than we're giving him credit for, even in this one particular trade. I tell you what, we got a couple more uh, trades coming up here, Steve, but I want to um, I want to let everybody know, again, tomorrow, Tom Nichols, going to be really fun. He is an awesome dude to talk to. He is going to be a lot of fun to talk to about the Dayton Dragons, and I'm looking forward to having you talk to him, too, because I don't think you've talked to him yet. I have not spoken with him yet, and I think this goes along great with what we started when we were talking to Justin Rock in just looking at the future uh, that's coming along for the Cincinnati Reds, and we're just going to work our way up the minors talking with these guys to get to see these young dudes every day, and that's just going to be uh, – you know, I think help is going to help energize me. I don't know how it's going to help everybody else, but it's definitely going to help energize me. But before we continue talking about these trades, I want to take a second and talk about Bet Online AG. Uh, we've themed about this being a new year and our resolutions. And uh, BetOnline.ag would like to wish you a happy new year and a happy new betting year uh, as we continue to march into the football playoffs. Uh, basketball is a going strong. Uh, college is underway. 
BetOnline.ag has all of those things for you to bet, plus real live Vegas-type games that you can play and so much more. Uh, BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. Uh it's a new year and they have a new updated desktop and mobile website. If you head over there and sign up today and don't forget to use your promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money. You get to gamble with the house's money. You get to uh, do a little wagering and uh, grow your cash nest without any risk at all to you. So head over to betonline.ag to get the fun started. That's betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on. All right, Jeff, let's get back into these last few remaining trades uh, that were sent into us for this uh, mock trade Monday slash Tuesday. Yeah, we've got a few more before we jump into uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about with Jeff Passon's article about the lockout. This one comes from BZ at Burke underscore Franklin. This is a Luis Castillo trade. This one is to a different L.A. side. This one's to the Dodgers. There's something about it. There's not even really, and this is something for another episode entirely, but I understand that the rivalry of old isn't there anymore. We're not talking about the Reds and Dodgers of the big red machine era in the 80s and things like that. This is way different from that, but it would still just a little bit of me would die if this would happen. However, I do kind of like the couple of dudes coming back. I like Brusador, I think it's Brusador Gratterall. Uh, there's Bush and there's Miller coming back as well. And the value overall, it's interesting because according to BaseballTradeValues.com, the Reds actually don't get the best value in this deal. But th there's something to this, man. This this kind of feels like a little bit closer to the right speed for a realistic possibility. Well, if we're grading it purely on realistic possibility, this one sits at a 7 or an 8. If we're grading it on the possibility of it making me nauseous, uh, it's a 10 out of a 10. Yes. This, the, I, I said this on Twitter. This, the thought of Castillo and Dodger Blue makes my stomach turn. Uh, I don't want to see it. I just, I can't accept it. But, you know, therein lies the problem with trying to move anywhere closer at all to following the Tampa type model of trading guys away before they get super expensive. Uh, you have to be willing to part with people. And so getting past that, I think this might be one of the most uh, realistic of the trades that were submitted to us. I like the return. I like Greaterall. I like Miller. I like Bush. Uh, I don't like Luis Castillo leaving, but sometimes you have to give to get. Yeah, Miller and Bush are both in the top four. Bush is the second baseman, Michael Bush. He's 24 years old. He is a left-handed bat, which is so funny because I have seen a number of these trades where it's like, it's another left-handed bat. We have so many of those in this organization. But there's also Bobby Miller, who he is a 22-year-old uh, right-handed pitcher. So that'd be kind of cool to see. An, an interesting haul, I think, if nothing else. I think if I put everything together... And I swallow the thought of Luis Castillo helping the Dodgers to the World Series. I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, too. I think 7 or 8 is what I said. I think I'll stick with that. Um, you know, of the trades that we received, this one's probably the most realistic in, in it could actually happen. And uh, it's the one that I don't want to see happen. <laughs> so there we are. And we got one more. Our, our buddy Crazy at Reds and Wildcats gave us one where Castillo and Luis Sessa become New York 
Mets. Boy, that would be a heck of an offseason for the Mets getting uh, Max Scherzer and Luis Castillo. I think uh, Mets fans would start printing World Series tickets. Uh, but they would get back, and I love this dude. I'm a huge fan of Jeff McNeil. But Jeff McNeil would come back in the trade, as would Vientos, which there was a really good episode that uh, Ryan Finkelstein had for Locked On Mets where he talked about Vientos being the possible next Pete Alonzo. So you talk about Pete Alonzo in any fashion. I love that dude. So yeah, if the Reds get the next Pete Alonzo, sign me up. And then Mauricio at shortstop, which is a guy, and I'm looking up his first name right now because I'm stupid and I should have done this earlier, but the dude that I've heard of the most when it comes to coveted shortstop prospects, if they do indeed believe that Jose Barrera is a center fielder. Well, I, I, th- I find it, you know, interesting that uh, this trade includes a shortstop because I have been pondering this as we get further into the uh, the platoon uh, of this team uh, through the month of January and into February. Um, I have some interesting thoughts about Barrero, and something like this would help fuel that. I think it would help uh, give the Reds a little bit more flexibility to have more than just one guy uh, that you could slot into that spot whose name is not Farmer. So uh, I, I like that. I like that there's a, a good prospect shortstop coming back in this deal. Um, you look at the scoring on this, uh, it seems that the Mets would get a little bit more value in, in the uh, getting Castillo and Sessa. Uh, I think that for the Reds to find a successful trade partner, that's probably how it's going to have to go. They're going to have to, on paper, be slightly under in the return, I think, to, to seal the deal, especially if we're talking about not having any money change hand in the process. So um, I like this one. I would give this one, from a realism standpoint, maybe a six. I think that's a lot of... Uh, you know, heavy hitting prospects there coming back to the Reds in the deal. I don't know that the Mets would necessarily be on board with it, but given what's going on in New York right now and their uh, uh, desire to immediately change the narrative about the New York Mets, uh, I could see them doing something like this to prove that they are all in to win right now. It would be intriguing to me because realism says the Reds are getting the better prospects. They're getting the better value in this deal. But there's something to the idea of pairing Castillo with Scherzer. And the only thing about this, too, and I'm almost thinking of this selfishly, a little bit biasedly, is that from a Reds perspective of Castillo going to the Mets, the Mets already have some pretty big contracts that they would either have to offload to extend Castillo or they're not extending Castillo. So he could be back on the open market in a couple of years. I don't know. That's that's maybe pie in the sky when it comes to this. But I think that probably the inclusion of Mark Vientos just doesn't, I think it probably makes it too rich for the Mets blood. I think I'm with you. I think it's a six. Um, this definitely follows along with what crazy was telling us. He, he kind of championed the idea of the let's win in 2024 deal. Mm-hmm. And even this, I think that, you know, Luis Castillo might still be a free agent after the 2023 season with this going. But yeah, I, I'd say six out of 10 simply because the two prospects that they're getting two. So Vientos is number six for all intents and purposes, pretty much top five, but yeah, number six. And then you've got Jeff McNeil, who I think is a stud and I would probably buy a Jersey of his, if he came to the reds, that would be, you know, it's really fun. 
It's really interesting, Jeff. Uh, I had a poll running over on uh, my personal Twitter handle, at S. Offenbaker. Uh, if you're not following me on Twitter, please do so. You can also follow Jeff, at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. But I put a poll up basically asking Reds fans if they would rather uh, stand pat with what we got right now or trade away people knowing that in 2024 they can make a World Series run. And I thought just by including the words World Series that that would skew the poll a little bit. But it's basically running 50-50 at this point of people that would rather hold on to these guys that we got and, you know, basically those big three starting pitchers that we're talking about. Or if they would be more willing to trade them away, get those prospects in and look to be ready to make a run in a couple years. And I was really surprised that it split 50-50. Yeah, I think that, and by the way, just a quick uh, housekeeping note, we're going to push the idea of talking about Jeff Passan's article to another day because we it's been a lot more fun talking about mock trades, to be honest with you. Um, but looking at the whole thought process behind these three pitchers is just that. Like, standing pat is the other option. And, and I mentioned it on Twitter as well. Like I tried to share it. It's like there should be a third option of spend for roster upgrades, but they've told us they're not going to do that. They've told us that that's out of their wish list that's out of the realm of reality for them and they're not going to do it so given the two options do we stand pat and compete with what we have or do we kind of push it back a few years and i know that there's there's been people say well rebuild is a pr nightmare and things like that it's not a rebuild so much as it is just kind of a retooling for a couple of seasons like i think i could get behind the whole idea of a two-year you know kind of sit back evaluate what you've got because if you look whether you go to fan graphs or whether you go to MLB pipeline or whatever it is that you look at prospects on, there are so many prospects for the reds that their ETAs 2023 and 2024. There's even more 2023s than there are 2024s, but you're talking about basically resetting a lot of positions by that point. And it'd be interesting to see if some of these guys who have contracts that are deemed unmovable, if they could rebuild some value this year and the reds could ship them off they could really set themselves up very nicely in two years. Oh, oh, for sure. And I tell you, when we went through this exercise a couple episodes back, trying to decide if we wanted to to trade or if we wanted to to hold what we got, you know, I came into to the when we did our pre-recording notes, ready to like keep everybody and let's take advantage of this window. But the the further we got into that conversation, the the more that it started to make sense to me that if we're not going to spend money, yeah, let's start flipping some of these guys and uh, make a run in a couple years. And I'm I'm telling you, man, this is like needing pizza dough. Every time I talk about this, I get a little bit more warmed up to the idea that we're going to probably push back a few years. So with that in mind, I am up for this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Reds can do. And this is something, too. I've seen people kind of throw this out real quick because I know that we're running a little bit long today, but... I've seen people throw this out that they don't trust this front office. I can't say that because we've not seen this front office get to make decisions. We've seen this front office carry out orders. We've seen this front office been given a task that they have to do, not something that they're trying to be creative and they end up flubbing the whole thing. I think that this is finally the period in time. I said it before this offseason even started. This is the offseason where you can start to evaluate Nick Crawl. How does he set oh, this absolutely. team up? So this is once the lockout ends is when it really gets fun for the folks that like to say they know what they know about Nick Crawl because I'm telling you I don't know what I know about Nick Crawl. I know that he has been told to cut payroll and that's it. 
Well, and if we're going to evaluate him on following the marching orders of the ownership, then then he's batting a thousand. He's done exactly what he's been asked to do. So I think you make I think you make a great point, Jeff. I I really do uh, agree with you that we don't know what we have in Nick Crawl, and we won't know until uh, we see what happens at the end of this lockout. I agree, Steve. But I tell you what, that's going to about do us for us here today. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast, Steve and myself. You like he said, you can follow us on Twitter at S. Offenbaker and at Jeff Carr with three F's. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds as well. Make sure that you're subscribed right here on YouTube and that you're following on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss anything we've got. Again, one more time, got to say this because you don't want to miss it. Tom Nichols tomorrow going to be an awesome show. Looking forward to talking with Tom coming up tomorrow uh thanks again for making us your first listen now go check out locked on bets as your boy q and lee sterling got the info that you need to make some cash over at betonline.ag that's locked on bets just like locked on reds free and available on all platforms it might be the off season and we might be locked out what are we steve we are locked on reds every single day